Please turn to verse 1 of chapter 24 of Matthew and kind of clear you off a spot next to you here. And I'll do my best to uh, stay Baptocostal up here on the platform with you some. My heart is so full. We covered a little bit of this a couple of weeks ago. And I kind of want to get you brought up to speed if you were not able to be here. And then we're going to work our way through. How do we know that Jesus is coming soon? Or soon and very soon, I should say. Or as chapter 25 of Matthew says, at the midnight cry. And Dr. Rogers used to say all the time, it's midnight somewhere all the time. And we need to know that any moment Jesus could part the eastern sky and we could meet him in the air after the dead in Christ and first shall rise. Now we talked about last week, before I read here, uh, we talked about last week about the sign of false prophets in verse 5. This is false prophets. There will be a time of apostasy. And you'll remember that I said I wasn't going to name names, but it wouldn't take a whole lot of thinking or watching for you and I to name names of people who teach heresy and who proclaim things to be that are not in God's word. Name it, claim it theology. I'd like a motorcycle. I mean, there would be a lot of things I would like. If I claim it, does that mean God's responsible when I run under a car on it later? I mean, you and I think about all these things. We just want to claim it and make it ours when God says, listen, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I hold all things in my hand. And here's what we need to know about Scripture today. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's as piercing as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's alive and well. Do I need to slow down a little bit? I've had two Mountain Dews today, so I need to be really careful here. Verse 1, we talked about false prophets, apostasy, the time of apostasy. And we talked, and that's in verse 5 that you'll see in a minute. And we talked about in verses 6 and 7, fierce wars of time of anarchy. And I'm going to fly through just current events to show you how real and near the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Let me push the pause button. Oh, about 65 years later, 70 AD, the temple did not have one stone left on top of the other. So just think about that parenthetically about the prophecy of Jesus, okay? Verse 3. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nations shall rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. That's a sad verse, is it not? Verse 11. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. 
And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I believe the King James says, will wax cold. But he, I love this part. Look at this word, verse 13. But, circle that. But he who endures to the end shall be what? Saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So we talked about false prophets, a time of apostasy. We talked about fierce wars, a time of anarchy. And today I want you to look at frightful catastrophes. Frightful catastrophes in verses 7b and the first part there. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places, and these are the beginning of sorrows. This will be a time of atmospheric and awful and astonishing national disasters. I have a list, and I'm, I'm not going to go over all of them. I'm going to fly through some of them. In our most recent memory, how sad about the collapse of the condominium in the Miami area. How sad. There are just so many just utter disasters and catastrophes. Now, it would be fair to you to say, Rob, that's gone on from the beginning of time. Yes, it has, and maybe just because of the media, we didn't hear about it. But it seems to be more and more and more frequent. Tornadoes everywhere. Even Chicago on June the 22nd had an EF3 that swept through the southern suburbs. Need I say wildfires in America and Canada, North American wildfires, as of June the 28th, over 30,000 wildfires across America had burned more than 1.4 million acres, 1.4 million. Follow me with this, frightful catastrophes. In 2020, fires burned more than 4 million acres in California. You will remember because it was on the news every day in 1920, excuse me, in 2020, 2019, the Australian brush fire. It started in 2019. It, it, it burned an estimated 46.3 million acres, destroyed 6,000 buildings, killed at least 34. In 2020, the Atlanta, the Atlanta hurricane season was a doozy. It's the second time that the alphabetical list of hurricane names has been used up and forecasters had to move to Greek letter names. Now, every time I see the word hurricane, I think of the way my mother and my mother-in-law said hurricane. Hurricane. Is that any of y'all? Hurricane. And I'd say, Mom, what are you talking about? And she would very kindly say to me, shut up. You know what I'm talking about. That year was also the fifth consecutive year to see a Category 5 storm. Are you with me? Signs of the times, they're everywhere. Rain and flooding. Midland, Michigan, 10,000 residents. Indonesia, India, Japan, China, northern Afghanistan, India, Bangladesh, Europe. Earthquakes. There were many earthquakes in 2020. 45 earthquakes in the United States over a magnitude 6. A lot of those happened in areas where people do not live. You'll remember also that there was a volcanic eruption in the Philippines on January the 12th. And this is the one that creeps me out. Locust swarms. Can you imagine that? All over East Africa and parts of India. 
May I tell you a funny story? Our son-in-law and our daughter and their, their three kids are moving back with us this week. We're going to get them. Our son-in-law from South Africa is wigged out about cicadas. I can't wait till he comes and sits on our back porch and finds a couple of those little shell things. I, I cannot wait. I, that's my kindness coming through there. Frightful, compa- frightful catastrophes. Hurricanes, earthquakes, tornadoes, tsunamis, flooding, rain, no rain, cold, heat, all of this. False prophets, apostasy, fierce wars, anarchy, frightful catastrophes, awful atmospheric natural disasters. And look in verse 9 and 10 with me, if you will. Fervent persecution. Fervent persecution. Now, I did get two emails that I'm aware of about this last week, two weeks ago, when I said having to wear a mask is not persecution. One of them liked it, the other one did not. I don't think having to wear a mask is similar to what someone that's having fingers cut off in Malaysia for taking the cause of Christ. I'm not saying it's easy, but certainly having to wear a mask is not persecution. Now, having to put a mask on a two-year-old and make them wear it is absolutely spiritual persecution. I just want to say that. Fervent persecution, verse 9 and 10. Then then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Fervent persecution, if you're taking notes, write down... A time of affliction. Believers will be hated, betrayed, and yes, martyred. There's a famous writer, I cannot say his name correctly, in the country of Burundi. His name is Gillibald. He kind of writes, he's kind of the poet laureate for, for that country in Central Africa. And he reported the violence against him and Christians there. He is a Jesus follower. He said this, listen to this. We're not asking for protection. We know that violence and threats will come. What we ask for is boldness to preach in the name of the Lord Jesus. What's the first thing we pray for our friends that serve overseas? Protection. And we should. And we pray that for for ourselves. But God give us boldness in the face of that. Did you know that in 1959, I may have shared this with you before, there were 600,000 Protestants in China. That may sound like a lot, but compared to the population that at that time was approaching 1 billion, it was a tiny seed. Then in 1959, China closed its doors to the outside world. Many people began to wrap a burial shroud around the Christian church in China. God is dead in China, they wrote. They said it would never survive. Then in 1979, you remember that famous uh, Richard Nixon trip that kind of opened China up to the West again, opened its doors, and a strange thing then happened. That tiny seed that had been planted 20 years earlier had taken root. The number of Protestants rose from 600,000 in 20 years to 3 million. But God. The church during persecution and hardship had grown 53% in 20 years. Let's talk about martyrs. Are y'all with me? 833 Christians will be martyred tomorrow. 
As incredible as it seems, it's true. An average of these 833 will be killed because of their faith. If I did the math right, that's more than 300,000 Christians martyred each year. These staggering statistics come from a fellow by the name of David Barrett. He edits the World Christian Encyclopedia and is a leading authority on Christianity worldwide. In every country where Bible League materials were used last year, including Mexico and the Philippines, believers were murdered for their faith. He contends that worldwide statistical chance, listen to this, of becoming a martyr in your lifetime, if you're a Christian, is one in 200. If you are a missionary, it is one in 50. If you are a native evangelist, it is one in 20. Where do we find such men and women? Where do we find them? Matthew 5, 10, and 12 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. On June 17, 2004, Sister Jiang Chong Yi went to the market in a province in China. She thought it would be just another day. Along with her mother-in-law, Jiang went through the marketplace, handing out Christian literature as she had done for a long time, telling people about Jesus. Their actions were soon noticed, and they were arrested. Even when the police took the two women into custody, Jiang did not become discouraged. Arrest and suffering are a regular part of the Christian walk in China. Little did the 34-year-old wife and mother know that the next day she would enter eternity beaten to death while in the custody of the Chinese police. While we may not suffer the same kind of persecution, church, as our brothers and sisters in Asia and the Muslim world and many other places, Jesus has promised us that we would be persecuted. Are you ready? Because to be persecuted is to usher in the kingdom of God. Which do you want? Or you want to see Jesus come? Bring on the persecution. Now, nobody's really asking for it, but for the second coming to happen, we must be prepared to be persecuted. Matthew 10 says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. False prophets, a time of apostasy. Fierce wars, a time of anarchy. Frightful catastrophes, a time of terrible and awful disasters fervent persecution a time of affliction now i wish i had the time to read all of this but about persecution please hear this and i know it's it's sleepy time for a few of you but this is very important in the top 50 world watch list countries alone 260 million christians experienced high levels of persecution last year one in nine christians worldwide experience High levels of persecution. Think about that. 3,700 Christians were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, and imprisoned yesterday, worldwide. 9,500 churches or Christian buildings were attacked. Every day, 12 churches or Christian buildings are attacked and burned or burglarized. 11 countries score in the extreme level for their persecution of Christians. Just six years ago, there was only one on that list. What would that country be? North Korea. Nine out of every ten Christians killed for their faith are in Africa. The rest are in Asia. 
Nigeria led the world with 3,530 martyrs confirmed by open doors. Do you know what's going on in Nigeria even this past week? They kidnapped three to 400 schoolgirls and take them and use them in horrific ways. Here's something that you may think about with persecution. Technology is making it easier for governments to control and suppress religious activities with video and digital surveillance of religious groups. Both China and India are increasingly using facial recognition technology with wide networks of cameras to track Christians and make their lives more difficult. Hang in there with me. The pandemic offered a new avenue of persecution with documented discrimination, COVID COVID against Christians receiving COVID-19 relief. If you identified as a Christian or if they believed you were a Christian and you were seeking COVID relief or the vaccine in Ethiopia, Malaysia, Nigeria, Vietnam, and the Middle East, you were often martyred or at the very least jailed. Here are the worst persecutors now, top 10. North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Eritrea, Yemen, Iran, Nigeria, and India. I could go on and on. Just a list of drug cartels in South America, India, Nigeria. It's just everywhere. China. We see all of this. Persecution is everywhere. Now, let me just give you a little heads up of what you're not unaware of in America. There would be people in our government, high up in our government, that if they sat in this service today and listened to what we were preaching today, would be highly offended and highly angry that we would proclaim that there is but one truth. They would, be mo- they would probably try to file charges when I say unapologetically to you and unapologetically to the world that homosexuality is an abomination and a sin before Almighty God. Abortion is murder. There may be a day when they drag me out of here. Just make sure they have Diet Mountain Dew at 901. That's all I ask. We've been through a little bit. Now look at verse 12 with me, if you will. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. There'll be a time of apathy. The love of many will wax cold. If you don't hear anything else today, I want you to hear this. I've said this before. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy. I just don't care. Think about that for a minute. I don't care. I'm apathetic. I feel nothing. A lot of you know Paul McCarver, who's been in the funeral business for uh, 65 plus years. Uh, I've known Paul a long time. When I worked at Memphis Funeral Home in my college days, I answered to him. I had a conversation with him just a very few short years ago, and I kind of knew the answer to my question, but then he went a little bit further. I said, Paul, um, the, the trends, if you will, the terrible thing to say about the funeral industry, but certainly the trends you're seeing in the funeral industry are more uh, moving toward cremation than uh, burial. Is that right? He said, yes. And, uh, and I said, well, I was just curious. I've been meaning to ask you this. He said, Rob, let me take it a step further. And he's a believer, of course. He said, can I tell you the saddest trend I've seen in all of my years of being in the funeral business? And I said, yes. Please tell me, what's the most shocking and the saddest thing you've seen? This is what he said. The number of grandparents that are being buried without one grandchild coming to their funeral. 
I want you to think about that for a minute. I can't go. Too busy. Just one generation removed. Love does not seek its own, but, but hurt people have become more and more self-seeking and self-contained. Folks, we have to adapt and understand that hurting people hurt people. And in this climate of love of God, for God, it just waxes cold or it becomes cold. It grows cold because you don't trust me. I don't trust you. You don't trust this person. It's ter- A natural example of this would be the two seas in the Holy Land. The Sea of Galilee freely receives and gives out water. It has an abundance of life, nurturing many different kinds of fish and plant life. The water of the Sea of Galilee is carried away by the Jordan River to the Dead Sea. May I just add, God is in the details. (laughs) Even with geography, even with the lay of the land. But the Dead Sea only takes in water and does not give it out. There are no living plants or fish in the Dead Sea. The living waters from the Dead Sea of Galilee become dead when mixed with the hoarded waters of the Dead Sea. Here's the point. Life and love cannot be sustained if held onto. It must be given freely. Please hear this. I don't want to shout, but I'm tempted to. If you have received love, give it away. Give it away. Don't hoard it. Tell somebody, I love you. Let them look at you weird. You know, let, whatever. Just say, listen, I just want to tell you that I love you. I want to tell you that I appreciate you. I value you. If you and I hoard love, here's what happens on the inside of us. We become dead and we become cold and our hearts Harden, and we really lose the ability to actually really love. And instead of loving other people, we judge them. False prophets, a time of apostasy. Fierce wars, a time of anarchy. Frightful catastrophes, a time of awful disasters. Forsaken perse- I'm sorry, fervent persecution, a time of affliction. Forsaken love, a time of apathy. Let me just mention this about, for- about forsaken love, a time of apathy. COVID did a number on us. Nearly everyone suffered from mental fatigue because we were emotionally maxed out during COVID. My makeup has yet to recover from having to wear a mask. I'm just seeing if you're paying attention, by the way. All of this, seriously, the pandemic presented to us difficult challenges of accepting how little control we feel like we had over our daily lives. And you would get sick of hearing this. You hear this all the time. Forsaken love, a time of apathy. Almost 50% of all marriages in the United States end in divorce. That every 13 seconds there's a divorce in America. There are nine divorces in the time it takes a couple to recite their wedding vows. About two minutes. Can you imagine that? The love of many will wax cold. Domestic violence on the upswing worldwide, especially during covid Child abuse, especially during COVID, on the upswing. And I have to do this. Abortion. 21 million abortions worldwide so far this year. According to WHO, the World Health Organization, every year in the world, there are an estimated 40 to 50 million abortions. This is about 125,000 abortions per day. One in four women have had an abortion. 
Only 1.5% of abortions are due to rape and incest. In the U.S., nearly half of all pregnancies are unintended, and 4 in 10 of these are terminated by abortion. There are over 3,000 abortions per day in the United States of America. 22% of all pregnancies in the U.S., excluding miscarriages, end in abortion. For African-American women in New York City, more abortions happen than babies born. This has been heavy to present, but it's truthful because of this last point and promise that I want to share with you today from God's glorious word. I want you to notice faithful service. There will be a time of accomplishment. Look in verse 13 and 14 with me, if you will. I read this slow and staccato a few minutes ago. I'll do that again. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Let me give you my paraphrase of this. Are you ready? This is really deep for me. And you know I'm not very deep. This is really deep for me. Here's my paraphrase of this. Cling to Jesus. Stay lashed to the cross. Don't let go of Jesus. Jesus, if the whole world walks out on you, Jesus... I will never leave because you have never left me and you've promised to never forsake me. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. So there will be a time of accomplishment. The gospel will be preached to all nations. Jesus himself said that the end would come only after the gospel of the kingdom is, is, is preached that I mentioned here. And his, as his kingdom approaches, Jesus obviously wants the whole world to know about him. How does he know? Me and you. His word. The Wycliffe Bible translators that many of you are very familiar with, and this is important to follow, tell us that the Bible needs to be translated and yet another 2,200 languages before everyone in the world can have a copy of the scriptures in their own language. Now, Wycliffe is, is working to complete this task, and they're getting very close to getting it done. In fact, their goal is starting to start translating the last language, get ready for this, by the year 2025. Jesus is coming soon. Now, I don't know if it has to do with a translation by Wycliffe or if it has to do with the gospel being presented to the entire world by another means. As a matter of fact, there's a website that I looked at that just brought me to tears. It's called lastlanguagescampaign.org. Lastlanguagescampaign.org. Nearly 40 years ago, on January the 19th, 1981, when there were 3,000 languages to go, seven armed terrorists burst into the Wycliffe Bible Translator's office in Bogota, Colombia, and took a translator captive. His name was Chet Bitterman. A number of you have read his story. They held him for seven weeks before shooting him in the head. Some saw this as a setback to Wycliffe's work, but Wycliffe's founder, William Cameron Townsend, saw it differently. He called it, listen to this, his were his words. He called it a tremendous advance because young people have been awakened in a new way. The fact is, soon after Chet Bitterman's death, nearly 100 students at his alma mater 
Columbia Bible College, pledged themselves to missionary service. Chet's widow, Brenda, vowed to return to Bible literacy work, and his brother, Craig, applied to Wycliffe, hoping to become a Bible translator. In addition to the chair of linguistics and Bible translations, was established at California's Biola University in Chet's memory. Hang in there with me. I know this is kind of deep. Chet's father, imagine this. I can't read this without just choking up. Chet's father, Chester Bitterman Sr., made this comment at the time. On a human level, Chet may have lost his life, but we believe that God is not finished with this. We haven't read the last chapter. Indeed not. After 40 years, we see that so-called setback only speeded up the process, if you will. That's what we need to pray for today when times are tough. We need to pray that God's word spreads even faster during these days and that people would respond to the word as they never have before. I close with this. The Roman city of Pompeii was destroyed in A.D. 79. The explosion of Mount Vesuvius was so sudden, the residents were killed while going about their routine. Men and women were in the market, the rich at their luxurious baths, slaves were at toil. They died amid volcanic ash and superheated gases. Even family pets suffered the same quick final fate. It takes little imagination to picture the panic of that terrible day. The saddest part is that these people did not have to die. Scientists confirm that ancient Roman writers, what they recorded, weeks of rumblings and shakings preceded the actual explosion and eruption. Even an ominous plume of smoke was clearly visible from the mountain days before the eruption. If only they had been able to read and respond to Vesuvius's warning. Here's the point. Dear friends, if you never hear me say another word again as your pastor and friend, hear this. There are similar rumblings in our world. While we do not know exactly when, and while these rumblings are not new, they do point to a coming day of judgment that we've just read about in Matthew 24. People need not be caught unprepared. Are you prepared? Are you prepared to meet Jesus? Revelation 4.8 says this, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and come Lord Jesus. Father, come Lord Jesus who was and is and is to come. God, grant it today, a harvest of souls in this room. Bring sweeping revival in my, in my heart, in our midst as a church, as a nation, as a city. We desperately need you, Jesus. May we be prepared for your coming. May we not be like the people of Pompeii. May we not just casually go through every day. We certainly need to not live in fear as followers of Jesus, but we need to be living faithfully. Are you prepared to meet Jesus today, dear friend? If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. 
today. Right now you can give him your heart. You saw the baptism testimony earlier today. He gave his heart to Christ when he was a young man. Grew up in a wonderful Christian home. But wanted to come today for for believer's baptism. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've trusted Christ, but you haven't been immersed. But maybe you're here today, more importantly, having never even taken that first step. You're not prepared for the coming of Jesus if you've not given him your heart. You can go to church all day long, that's okay. You can read the Bible all day long, that's okay. But you must come to a point where you confess your sins and receive Jesus. Are you ready to do that today? If you're watching online, please do not turn off. If you're in the lobby, if you're in the overflow areas, please don't disrupt those around you. Right now, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, nobody can do it for you. We can only help you with it. Lord Jesus, I need you. Tell him that. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Tell him that. I know that you went to the cross in my place, Jesus. It should have been me. Tell him that. And right now today, I confess my sin as an affront to a holy God. Tell him that. Please forgive me. I repent of my sins, Jesus. Tell him that right now. I turn from my sin to you. And right now, July the 11th, 2021, I do not understand everything about you, Jesus. But I know that I need you. I receive you into my heart as my Savior and my Lord. Tell him that. Come into my life. Save me. Change me. Make me who you want me to be. If that's the attitude of your, of your heart, in just a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. There'll be men down front here to receive you. Nick is coming now, others. There'll be men out in the lobby to receive you. We want to go to a quiet place with you for just a moment to help you understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Others of you no doubt would say, Rob went too fast. I want to give my heart to Christ. If you're watching online, call 901-309-7777. You'll likely get a recording. Please leave a message. Someone will call you back as soon as possible. Come to Jesus. If I went too fast, you need to give your heart to Christ. You come. If you've just given your heart to Jesus, you come. If you need to be baptized, you come and we'll set it up. If you believe the Lord is calling you to vocational ministry, maybe you want to be a a translator of Scripture. Whatever God is calling you to do in the silence of these moments, right now there is a cosmic battle for your heart, your soul, your mind. Just tell Jesus, I will trust you and obey in this moment. Don't walk out of these doors having disobeyed what God has put on your heart to do in this moment. Maybe you're here, you've been looking for a church home and you're imperfect like we're imperfect. Would you come today, link arms with us? It would bless us greatly. We can run to the heart of Jesus together.
whatever decision you need to make today, during this time of invitation, you don't put it off. Step out. Father, would you move in every heart and every life in these moments? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing all the way from the balcony, all the way down. Who will be the first to come today? Just now.